Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth McGuire. And welcome to another chat episode of Talking Lion. We are deep diving, but this time, Noah, not into a song. Not just one song. Not just a song. Not a paltry song. We are, we're diving into, we're diving into a collection, a body of work. One might call it a project. A project. One might call it an EP. Yeah. One, I refuse to call it an album uh, emotionally. Spotify is calling it an album. Well, I think Spotify is wrong. But uh, I'm going to call it a record because it's Record ambiguous. feels good. Record feels yeah. like... Because record could also be a single song. Yeah. It's all, all of it. It's yeah, all of it. But we are, we are here to talk about Most Improved. Yeah. So... Without further ado. This is Most Improved. Oh, okay. So, it's out. Yeah, it is out now, currently. That's weird. Yeah, super weird. We've been talking about what our world looks like with this being out for years now. It's probably the biggest to-do I've ever checked off my to-do list in my life. <laughs> Tr- truly. It has accumulated over years of like, finish, finish most improved, finish most improved, just rolled over for like, essentially years. Uh, it's the second longest. The first for me has been Disneyland. Nice. <laughs> go go to Disneyland. Go to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is weird. I mean, the the truth is is that there was a lot that we had to go through sort of personally to kind of get to a place where we felt like the record was was you know done in a lot of ways. But also, like it, we started it and then the pandemic happened. Like yeah. it was going to be the record that wound up being different plans. Like different plans took the release spot, at least from a date perspective, that yeah. Most Improved did. And, you know, we wanted to maybe have it, you know, go through a label or wait until we had, like, the right team for it. But the truth of the matter is, is that those those stars very rarely align how you, how you want yeah. them. And at a certain point, as we saw on TikTok with that person who said it, creativity has a shelf life. Yeah. So at a certain point, you kind of got to move, move forward. But... Um, it is weird that it's out in the world. I think I consider like the official sort of start date of the record the top of 2020, even though we worked on Casper the, uh, you know, in the fall of 2019. Yeah. But I think that it was like in that time, and we'll go into like that time, like like the, the, the writing of Out of It and all that stuff. It was around that time when it started to be like, oh, we're writing around similar stuff but i think the first thing that maybe we should start before we even dive into the songs is should we share the story of the name yeah i think that's that's a good place to start how how we came up with the name most improved because i think naming a body of work sometimes can be very challenging yeah i think that we have not had records you know with names that reflect any songs on the record so we kind of have it be its own separate name yeah um but always like influenced by by the record but it came from a night of bowling yeah which uh which has now been captured in the cover art done by the incredible meg meyer what do you remember about that night i remember it was i remember i remember the bowling the bowling birthday as it was it was our manager's birthday it was our manager's birthday and it was the first like kind of social outing like 
like medium group of people interaction, I think that I had participated in, or at least that's my memory of it was the first like social outing that I had gone to after like a very difficult, like breakup and mental health time. Uh, and it felt, it felt kind of charged. There was something about it that was like, Oh, this is like, like, let's see how I'm feeling after like all these momentous life changes. Like, let's see how I can, let's see if I can have a good time. Basically. Let's see if I can just like, uh, interact with people and go to a birthday party and like feel like a normal person after like all this stuff has happened in my life. And I've got like made these sweeping declarations about how my life is going to change and how I'm going to get better. Um, this felt like a test almost of that for me. Well, I remember cause I was also, uh, on the tail end of like a really rough breakup and, uh, and you know, all the things that happened at the top of the year with, with you and I and with everything like, and I remember going to that, um, going to that party and kind of realizing that it, it was also similarly like a first social outing that I wasn't going to have to maybe leave early to like, you know, get on a call with this person mm. or that I would maybe the first social outing where I could like think about just having a good time and yeah. not about, you know, this breakup or about anything like that. So I remember you're right. There was this sort of charged atmosphere of like, like, shit like we still get to have fun like we still yeah. get to like be happy despite all the crazy shit that we had just gone through you know over the last couple of months yeah and and i was i was in my uh my photo taking kick at that point right too. so i was like you know i was following you with the camera just <laughs> like trying to get like a cool shot which i, I you know i'll post it to the instagram um to via Instagram. Yeah. I'll post I'll post this photo to our Instagram. There's like this one shot of Noah like holding a bowling bowling ball that like really kind of stru like struck me. Mm -hmm. But you were really funny. I love bowling. I've been bowling with my friends forever. I'm like not bad at not necessarily bad at bowling. Um I'm I'm not going to say you are bad at bowling. Yeah, I'm I I'm, but, but you you're rusty. I was I was rusty. Yeah, cuz I, I I bowled I bowled very intensely for a period uh in my boy scout days when we would go to military bases cuz like I mean, there are bowling alleys in Italy, but it's not really like a pastime. There's something about like we would go to U.S. military bases and like bowl a ton. So I bowled a ton for a, a specific period in my life and then haven't touched it. This was like probably one of the first times I've been bowling. I guess we went bowling in Boston. Yeah. But like I haven't bowl. I haven't. I didn't bowl. I'm not necessarily. I'm rusty at bowling, basically. Well, and so so at first you were just shooting gutter balls, but you're being really funny about it. <laughs> like you kept every time you like threw it. And every time you like you got a pin down or like whatever, you kept saying most improved. I'm going for most improved. You're going for most improved, which here's a little fun fact. I don't know if you know this. I won most improved in high school. Oh, yeah. I did know for this. For mathematics. Mm -hmm. uh, and my parents were like very confused as to like what the logistics of getting that award was. Right. Because they're like, like, is he good at math? <laughs> and they're like, he is he is comparably better at math than he was at the beginning and that gap is bigger than anybody else's yeah <laughs> which like i remember that concept kind of like flooring me which was that like i was like okay if i was a b minus student in math and went from b minus to b plus or b minus even to a or a plus I would not be receiving an award because I'm not the best in math. Yeah, exactly. And I'm also not most improved in math. But it's that I started with a D. <laughs> you started at the bottom and you got better. Um, 
and that's like i don't know that that uh shout out to the lion himself david leone for for tutoring me in math nice but um it is just sort of interesting. And as you were sort of talking about that, like, as, well, not even talking about that, just making this joke about most improved, I was really moved. One, just seeing you have have a good time yeah. after like the hard time that you've been through and realizing too that I was having a good time and could have a good time after all the shit that, that like had, had gone down. But also the fact that you, when you kept saying most improved, I'm like, right, like, like you get, you don't get most improved by being great first yeah you get most improved by being fucking bad yeah and, and i think because i used to kind of like look down a little bit on like people who got most improved like in my younger <laughs> more vulnerable years because like like i i was the kid who got the the math award for being the best at math like i either didn't get an award because i was like it was like pe or something and that just wasn't what i was good at or i was like really good at stuff like i have the gifted kin syndrome if i was just like i was good at school and like there was there was no there was no room for improvement. And like that, like was very validating at the time. But like, I think the older I get, the more I'm like, it's that's not that impressive. Like just being really good at something and like coasting through, like without trying very hard, which is what I was doing, isn't all that profound. Like it's just like, OK, your your brain happens to be good at a certain set of things and you're following the path of least resistance. That's fine, I guess. But the much more meaningful thing as an adult feels like going from not being good at something to developing a proficiency with it, working through the difficult middle portion. Like that's the stuff of life. Like that's like the hardest thing that we do as people. And like it's it hits like most improved as a concept hits me so much harder now than it used to. Well, I think that it, it comes right around the time. I mean, it's, we're still here of we have a very complicated relationship with our own career. Yeah. Because in college, we had people skyrocketing who don't exist anymore yeah. as like artists or like anything like that. We, you know, even now we have friends who are doing extremely well, extremely quickly, extremely young. Um, but also like, like if you look at what we've done, we're not unsuccessful by any stretch either. Yeah. And it's weird kind of being, because I wouldn't say we're necessarily middling. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't necessarily like call us average because the average band doesn't have, you know, 100 plus episodes of a podcast or the average yeah. band isn't necessarily like, does, doesn't have 50 cuts under their belt. It's very weird and complicated because like, I'm very grateful for everything that we've we've managed to accomplish and what we've been able to do, but also it has been the most slow and steady growth. Yeah. And because of that, we've been able to kind of like accumulate like a resume. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we accumulate experience, <laughs> but we are definitely not, we definitely didn't skyrocket from the beginning um, in the way that we wanted to and thought we, we could or would or, or might. But we also were doing things that, that in a lot of ways influenced our peers and changed how, at least the people around us looked at the industry and and we had we made some kind of impact and we didn't like not benefit in some way from that impact yeah so i think the concept of most improves like makes me almost feel like a little bit more validated because like we only really celebrate the skyrockets but mm -hmm. i think that we like culturally i feel like you know obviously i'm biased saying this but like there has to be something to be said about like also recognizing careers in this 
that have sustained and have grown steadily. Like we've had the best Spotify growth this year. Yeah. You know, we've had our best financial year this year. You know, hell, we had a, a, you know, we wrote a reel that went viral this year, you know? And yet, you know, are we the skyrocketing success that we believe ourselves, we still have the potential to be or whatever, you know? No. And, and I think we have, that's a tough, relationship to have with your own own career you know mm-hmm. there has to be something to said about like sustaining your career yeah and having just like this great steady growth as you go you know i mean you've got like i mean your members of the national are like yeah. an example that always comes to mind for me like like they're they're not a band that ever had like a big viral moment like they just kept putting they're on like they're like what 13th record yeah. or something like they're just a band that kept being a band and like now, like the some of them are Grammy award nominated producers, and like their album was nominated for a Grammy, and like they're all doing really cool. Like all the members of the band are doing really cool stuff, and they like and the National is still doing well. They're yeah, still touring. They're still touring. They're still doing, they're still doing great. They have, yeah. you know like putting out songs with Bonnie Vare, putting out songs with Taylor Swift. Like they're it's it, like they just have a cool career. Well, and so ultimately, like all of that kind of came to the uh, came like all at once into focus uh, in my head while. We were bullying yeah. <laughs> while you were saying most improved because it was like you obviously you were talking about like that moment, but for, like it felt just so profound in that moment. And I like, you know, I took that photo and like I think like a couple days later, like a week later, I showed you the photo and I was like, "What if we put all these songs together and called it most improved?" Yeah, and that's that's the record you're holding in your very hand right now, <laughs> your listener, in there your metaphoric hand. There it is. You're holding the limited edition vinyl. Limited the vinyl. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, uh, not successful enough for us to have vinyl. We are not successful enough to have vinyl. Yes, Yet. exactly. <laughs> Should we dive into this monstrosity? Yeah, let's talk about it. The first song is out of it. Baby, this did it hit me like I thought it did. Sure, I fell in love, but I fell out of it. I don't wanna be the one who's lost in it. Out of it was, I think, the first song that I wrote when the relationship was over, over. Mm-hmm. Like Casper, we were still in the middle. I was still in the middle of all that, you know, whatever. But this was like, it's over. And I'm still feeling, uh, you know, a sort of way about it. Um, January 2020, uh, our, our good friends, Sophia Grappari and Alex Burrell, hosted a writing camp in Joshua Tree. That was awesome. It was, it was just, a, great time. you know, such a fun time. Uh, we had our, our, we had all of our favorite people collaborate, collaboratively. You know, there was uh, London Mars and mm-hmm. obviously, like I said, Sophia Grappari, Alex Venegas, who we write everything with, um, Alex Costa, who we had done um, uh, Don't Like Me With. And I'm, I'm missing a bunch, but like it was just an incredible group of people all in the desert, essentially. So... Out of it started, you know, we were all sort of paired off and like, you know, whatever. And I, and out of it was started by me, Venegas, and Alex Costa. Mm-hmm. Before I go into it, uh, here's Alex Venegas talking about his memory of that session. All right. So, out of it. I guess that was the camp. We'd all gone to Joshua Tree to get, you know, writing with it and... 
that was the first session of the camp, you know, it was super fun. Everyone was getting to know each other. I mean, we'd all written separately, but me, you and Alex hadn't written together. And they put us in this small, small room <laughs> that was like, it was like the, there was a, like a queen bed in there, but it barely fit that queen bed. <laughs> And we just had to like make do and there was like a small, basically more like a dresser rather than a desk, but it was like, yeah, this is what we're going to work with. And it was, um, and it worked. I mean, I guess it did. It was so makeshift and, and easy, but I guess, um, you started coming out with some piano lines and then I went in with a couple of melodies where I just started doing like really like fast things of just doing like the, I think I was just like you were playing them through, and it was like like it was kind of like very flowy with like the very stop and start type of uh, chords that you were hitting, and then yeah, man, just kind of wrote itself. I just remember basically at one point you just like brought out that entire second verse in like one breath essentially, and I was like, all right, yeah, that's that's it, that's the one. So great job, Nate. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, it was, it was interesting is that once we'd finished it and gotten it to a spot, I remember all of us coming out of it being like, nah, um, man, did we write something good? <laughs> like it was, I remember Alex coming to be going like, man, I really hope Nate liked it. Cause I feel like this is like only a, <laughs> like a sleeping lion pitch song. <laughs> like this wouldn't really work for anyone else. And I was like, oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure he loved it. Like it was great, but it was like, we were like pretty psyched, but it was on like second listen once Alex had worked on it and me and you like went off to go see other other sessions and just like check out what everybody else was doing that we came back and was like, oh, oh this is pretty great. <laughs> this is like really good. And then just like furthermore, the more listens you get into it, the more time we gave it, it was just, it became very quickly one of my favorite songs that I've ever written and still is to this day. So I'm very happy to be able to share that memory and you know it's it's great it's a great song super happy with it point of pride for me um so happy it's out in the world ready to go excited for the crazy life that it brought it came to i mean i know so many people have like took quick quick hits and hands at like trying the production because it's such a interesting I guess feel of it. Like it's uh it, it had there were so many places where it started of like being very simplistic with piano, but then kind of adding in small production. I remember Alex tried to do like trap drums at one point. It didn't really completely work, but they were still like trying to find different elements. And it was it was cool. I think uh, I think the rest of those producers also had like a really fun time trying to carve out what they could do with it and how crazy it could go. And I know it was a lot of like, all right, go full extent and then pull them back. And it was, it's super fun. I'm glad we, we all got to experience all that. That was really cool. Just getting bounce after bounce of going like, dang, this is going crazy until it's to what it is today, which I'm very psyched for. So yeah, no, it's great. I had a tremendous time writing it with, with you all and excited that it's out in the world. And now I can, show people and just be like, look at this amazing song. Yeah, just exciting, exciting. And here's a little snippet of the session itself. And it hit me like I thought it did. Sure, I fell in love with you and stayed in it. And hit me like I thought it did. Sure, I fell in love with you and stayed in it. You see, like... Yeah. 
like triplet fast shit going into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like it. Oh, like, uh, what was the, uh, trying to get like, so I want to get a different note there. Like leave a space after getting drunk, yeah. Yeah, okay, I like that. Yeah. Let's do that again. Yeah. Let me touch, that's perfect. So. When you're calling me up, it's two in the morning. I don't respond to William calls. I want an on. Two in the morning and you're on the low. Yeah, I'm not with an on. Yeah, two in the morning and you're all alone. I like actually two in the morning and you're all alone. You can slant it. Love it. It didn't take long. I don't respond when you call me up. It's two in the morning and you're all alone. I can't be the one you always wanted. If you wanna be the one that got away I've been feeling awful since we started So I won't be broken hearted If you're not gonna stay Babe, this didn't hit me like I thought it did Sure, I fell in love, but I fell out of it Babe, this didn't it lost in it Somehow I fell in love, but now I'm out of it, yeah. And now I'm out of it, yeah. Oh, yeah. And now I'm out of it, yeah. And now I'm out of it, yeah. Now I'm out of it. Sick. That's sick. Yeah. That sounds awesome, man. So it actually started with, like, like a beat loop that... Alice Costa made. Yeah, that's wild. That was straight. Like it wasn't swung at all. It wasn't. It was just this <laughs> ongoing kind of loop. Yeah, and like harmonically in a totally different place. Yeah, well, it was kind of. It was like a little bit more like um, I don't know, just like a little more just sort of in the box. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and and for for what it's worth, Venegas, he's really good at those sort of like tight. Like and it's uh, both writing and also like kind of inspiring the sort of tight run on like ways of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he definitely came in um, like just you know mumbling what he's mumbling with that kind of rhythm. So I'm like, okay, yeah. So we're writing you know this, and it's like, you know, I think I got over you. Like we were just sort of, and we and we wound up developing the verse pretty quickly. Like we are kind of like running it as it goes, and. And like I said, I was I think I was pretty mad at that point. So I was just kind of pulling from yeah. you know where it is. I particularly I've always liked the line, I can't be the one you always wanted if you want to be the one that got away. I can't be the one you always wanted. If you wanna be the one that got away. That's a great line. Um, because like 
literally, you know, this person would say that like I was like the person that they they always wanted to be with. And I'm like, um, okay, like, but but you also want to be like this sort of ghost for somebody. Mm-hmm. Like those two things cannot like you you simultaneously want this like want me as to be this person but you can't but you also want to be a ghost and you can't do both yeah um oh and and also venegas for what it's worth writes these really cool melodies like he's either doing these run-ons which are like are awesome but he also like that now i'm out of it i'm not writing that i there's not you could put me in a room for a hundred years and i will (laughs) never write a a melody like that but i love that melody like how he like presented it but essentially once we kind of had like the song i started to like i started to sing this chorus and i was singing it just yelling like essentially that was what it was Mm -hmm. it was like just yelling this chorus which is babe this didn't hit me like i thought like i thought it did that's the first line that kind of came to me so i just start yelling it but as it kind of became clear that this was going to be this influx of emotion i was also thinking about this song that i was obsessed with at the time which we uh are very obviously influenced by right which is thor by push baby um if you haven't heard that song uh don't <laughs> uh just so that we can <laughs> you, you don't maintain hear. plausible deniability <laughs> but but um yeah it uh it was the space around it. And yeah. I think that like, it occurred to me that like, as like a song with a beat and like all that, whatever, it was not, you know, a terribly interesting or unique piece of music. But I think that we had incorporated enough space and enough dynamics into like the writing of the song that, that really respecting that space and respecting that dynamic in the way that that push baby did in, Thor <laughs> uh, could kind of elevate the song. Yeah. And so that's how it kind of went from the beat to hitting the chords. And then, of course, I think it was just that I started hitting the chords. And whenever I like play anything that isn't legato, I start swinging it. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of how, it, how that happened. So, you know, that's kind of how that first demo started. Do you remember what happened the first time? I played it for everybody. Yes, I do. <laughs> it was the big uh, thing at the end of the writing camp where everyone was showing each other their songs, like this huge show and tell after three days of everyone writing one or two songs a day, like lots of content, just like the the the, the class presentation portion of, of the of the trip. Uh, and for some reason, the song had bounced without vocals in the second half. And uh, specifically the second chorus, the second chorus. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the second verse was there, but the second chorus was not. Uh, but by the time everyone had heard the first chorus, they were familiar enough with it that everyone understood what was happening. They're like, oh, man, like the, the vocals didn't bounce. And then everyone kind of jumped in and started singing along and like singing the chorus at the top of their lungs. It was it was a great moment. It was. Yeah. And honestly, like a lot of the stuff that we wrote in that camp, I mean, some of it like you've copped it for your solo yeah I, it was just occurring to me there's that i wrote a fuck boy song and a renaissance boy song while i was there yeah yeah it's it, it there was just like so much like inspiration yeah in that, in that space and so you know we, we but you know we wrote it and we had some people who like had some interest in it so that, like it was potentially kind of being pitched around mm-hmm. a little bit and we knew that like the demo was like okay but we knew that it needed to be elevated like you took a you took a stab at the production and you did a i, I think a pretty solid I actually didn't. Oh, I, you didn't? I didn't. I, I never got around to actually doing anything without of it. 
This is this is the, the least I've ever done on a Sleeping Lion song. I, I didn't really truly touch it till the end of the process. To, to be fair, I feel I feel almost like that's like the karmic um, counterpoint to CTFO. Yeah, because CTFO is like ninety five percent. Yeah, you and I said three things. And yeah, like you know, sort of similarly. But we we've been longtime friends. Literally, like one of the first people who ever supported us was Ariza, and so. We send it to Ariza. One of the things that like really makes Ariza stand out as a producer is that he's always going to go for the thing that's just slightly weird but works Mm -hmm. so, so well. So we send it to Ariza and and that's pretty much what happened. Like he, he came back with like just so much, especially like the intensity of that ending. Like he understood the assignment. Yeah. And and really, what we, we what we did past that point was just muting things. Yeah, just kind of like I mean, I added like a, a, li- a little a little thing, a little yeah. bit of guitar, but like it was mostly just like like the 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 shadows and the highlights, just like little bits of like polish and like shaping the sculpture of the thing. Like it, the 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 shape of it was there. Like the 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 bones were super there. Also, want to give a big shout out to Alex Costa because. The vocals in the song are are the demo vocals. Yeah. And the vocal production yeah. is from whatever Alex put on it that first day. Yeah. Because it's crazy. Which to this day changed the way I produce <laughs> vocals. Like for like no joke, no exaggeration. Like as soon as I got my hands on the session, I was looking at the at each of the plugins that he put on. Because I'm like, I've never heard Nate's voice sound like this. It's like through, so visceral. Like through an SM7. It's like, it's so close and like bright and punchy. I was like, what did you do to this vocal? And I was like, oh, okay. And I saw like the two or three things that were really making it shine. And I incorporate all that stuff into my current vocal production. It was like, it was gritty and visceral. Mm-hmm. But like, and, and like, and it made sense in how it like developed. I just, yeah, that's the thing is the close stuff felt very warm and intimate. But mm-hmm. the loud stuff felt like almost like it was like a punk show. That's another piece of vocal production that I now do all the time. I had never, I'd always been scared. I always thought turning the drive knob on Little Alter Boy to 100 was like something you just didn't do. Like turning OTT to like two. Like I thought it was like one of those things that's just like gonna inherently sound bad. I didn't realize that like there's a very specific sound that happens when you crank the distortion on Little Alter Boy to 100. And that's something that Ariza did. He added a double of your voice that's super wide and fully distorted. And I was like, wow, that really <laughs> does something. Like, that really makes a difference. Well, th- that's the thing. A song like this, there is nothing to hide. Yeah. Like, it is all the vocals. Like, yeah. we definitely, like, you know, we made sure that there wasn't a breath that wasn't intentionally there. Like, mm-hmm. we made sure to get rid of all the mouth noises that wasn't intentionally there. Like, be- because essentially, this song is driven by, by vocals. And in a lot of ways, it, it, it's funny that it's, like, bookended by Wine Drunk, which mm-hmm. we'll, get, we'll get to. But truly, this song... The vocals are what's what's causing everything to happen. Yeah, you know, all all the production is reacting to what the vocals are doing. Like usually, it's vice versa. Usually, like you're recording yourself to a beat or to a track. Yeah, and this was like, honestly, I recorded over just like, um, I'll, I'll play the demo right here. Cause, baby, did it hit me like I thought it did? Sure, I fell in love, but I fell out of it. Somehow I fell in love, but now I'm out of it. Yeah. Now I'm out of it. 
I'm playing just the piano chords mm-hmm. and just hit piano chords. So it was just a click track in my head for mm-hmm. like extended periods of it. So yeah. you got to kind of like build around it. But yeah, that's a weird one. I have ideas for music videos and all that, whatever. I hope that we can yeah. <laughs> execute. But I think we should move on before we forget. Nice. To small things I forget. Small things I forget. It's the small things I forget. This is another hundred percenter for us. Yeah. I'm really proud of the, of the fact that like the record is like, I think three of them. Yeah. Three of the songs on there were really just like us. Yeah. You know, kind of harkens back to the pre-session era. Yeah. It's where for, you know, our first record was, was pretty much all us. Small things I forget. We were already kind of in the heart of the pandemic. Yeah. We were just, bored and sad yeah that's that's what i remember about that time i like the that period in my life like when i think back to small things i forget it feels like because we wrote it at night yeah um it the memory feels very kind of like dark and foggy like because it was such a tumultuous time and it was yeah it was it was it was also such a dull time like it was it was thick and heavy and i my memory of that session was like the vibes were just really kind of like like, I don't remember feeling good in that session. I remember kind of slogging through it and then listening back to it the following day and be like, oh, I actually really like this. Well, I remember feeling almost like in a lot of ways it felt like writing music with you back in the dorm in the heart of winter mm-hmm. yeah. back in Boston because we weren't happy then. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, we were, and we were tired and we were stressed, but we also had a certain patience with each other mm-hmm. during that time. Like a lot of the times when we're writing songs and sessions, there is a little bit, I mean, we give each other patience, but it yeah. always is the feeling that we are giving patience and you are aware that like everybody's got places to be and things mm-hmm. to do and like all that, whatever. And we truly didn't have anything to do. And it was the middle of the night and it was a beautiful kind of, it was a beautiful track you yeah. know, that you were starting with just sort of, and, it, and that's the thing is it did feel like my memory of that feels nostalgic yeah same like but in the moment it felt nostalgic yeah definitely like again yeah i don't think i was like happy writing it and, yeah and you know we were tired and it was like you know but i also definitely felt uh and we struggled with a lot of the lyrics yeah. too, especially in the chorus yeah definitely um, like coming out of the chorus was really tricky but i i felt like writing with you is the closest it's felt to how it used to yeah there like in a long time you know I'm gonna I'm gonna play just like the first little beginnings of the the, the sessions that that, that we, the session that we that we did uh, right here. Take out on the couch, your hair on the pillow, the view from your house, how the city looked from your window, your eyes in the light, the draft in the bedroom, you held me through the night, but frozen without you, there's something unsettling. I'm fucking forgetting things I thought I'd remember it It's been a while since we were together All those moments and memories Never thought I'd be treasuring And only the treasured would mean They were like nothing Empty head Oh it's bittersweet I can smoke Let me breathe 
Open a box of the shit you gave me All your favorite songs on the tip of my tongue I can't remember your birthday but still know the monthly things I can keep Ever since you left It's the small things I'd forget We sound tired and we that sound demo. Really we tired. sound really tired. <laughs> but it is interesting because it's like the piano like harmonics, like with even just that looping synth mm -hmm. felt just so Yeah. Sad. Yeah, there's something <laughs> which is really emotional about the production of that song. You know, obviously in in the pandemic, we had this like, you know, somewhat not somewhat unique experience because everybody had the experience, but like or a good chunk of people had the experience, but we had the experience of having a whole pandemic to get over somebody. Mm -hmm. So it kind of became like, I started realizing I was forgetting things. I was forgetting things that I couldn't necessarily ask, you know, or wanted to know, Yeah, you know, again. So that sort of amnesia <laughs> was I, I, like really at the tip, like on the top of my mind. But I think what I really like about the, the sort of song lyrically is how it sets itself up because it sets itself up thinking that it's a love song. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, take out on the couch, your hair on the pillow, the view from your house, how the city looks through your window. And it's generic. Mm -hmm. It's intentionally generic. Yeah. Like I like, I remember when I was writing that thinking this feels generic, but it also is like at the end of the day, all you remember is like the generic shit. Yeah. Like, I don't remember what we talked about, you know? And in fact, I'm not going to make up like what we were listening to or, you know, the 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 brand of beer we were drinking or right. whatever. It's like we were eating and we were looking at the city. But there is this one specific piece, which is the draft in your bedroom. You held me through the night I would have frozen without you. Mm. Because I was in I was in Chicago and it was fucking cold. And the and the for, the windows were closed, but it just still like the wind just like, it was just fucking freezing. Yeah. I even mentioned that same cold in Last Good Day. Right. <laughs> but as that shifts into what the song is actually about, this pre-chorus is essentially, and we it's, we only have one pre-chorus too. Mm. We skipped the pre-chorus in the second verse. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But the pre-chorus itself is essentially establishing this is what the song is about. I mean, you had that ch chorus melody. Yeah, I think I was playing it on the piano. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's, it was very melodically written. Mm -hmm. Like, da, na, na. it was, it was very like, I don't know. It, it doesn't actually sound like a Linkin Park song, but I was pulling from that like nostalgic, like Linkin Park camp of writing melodies. Like, that's what was in my brain. It at also the time. reminded me of like that L.A. Botner song, that, yeah. that Hebrew song I love. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Liad. Like, there's just such a gorgeous melody in there. Like, and it's and it's not anywhere close to that melody, but it, I loved that kind of. It evoked the that a yeah. feeling that we should, like like it evoked a nostalgic a, a nostalgic melody, melody yeah. that's right in our Venn diagram of like music we love. Yeah, so I think we were like really, and we 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 knew we wanted to end it on ever since you left the small things I forget. Yeah. So 
which is hard to like have like a target of where you're trying to go and mm-hmm. then try to get like like literally eight you know I don't know how many bars it's been but it's a long chorus yeah like getting it all to finally like get there so you know again like favorite song to, to my tongue I uh, can't remember your birthday but still in the month I do remember the birthday so that's a lie yeah that's poetic license yeah we're not all authentic you yeah know? We no have but to... it's it's, I, it's it's one of those lines that's like might not be strictly true but it gets at the truth there's an emotional truth too yeah it, there's an emotional like, truth so yeah you, you you start zooming out like you remember days i actually now that i'm thinking about it i don't remember my ex's birthday but i still know the month so now it is it has become true interesting 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 so so i i, I think that we we actually only managed to write the first verse and the chorus yeah first verse pre and chorus then uh, according to my voice memos we abandoned it then for about three weeks oh really yeah interesting i don't remember that so i'm gonna play a part from so we we originally wrote it march of 2020 i'm gonna play a part from the this the the writing the revisiting in april of 2020 quiet shouts down the hallway thought love was like this we're going the wrong way guitar fucking line yeah which i i love 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 that more than anything yeah i think at times when i thought about do we cut that song or like you know like could it even be a single or whatever right that guitar line it's similar i it feels the same it does the same thing for me as as what that other slide guitar line and what i get does Mm -hmm. like it elevates this piano song into something and you were doing this like guitar chopping thing mm-hmm. that w- was almost like evocative of like early Bay Ledges. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. Like just this like chopping, you know, I'm going to actually drop just the guitar track solo right here.
it just it but it added this like midwestern emo vibe to the mm-hmm. whole thing too yeah definitely <laughs> which we definitely leaned into mm-hmm. so i think that once we like sat down with it the second verse came pretty quickly and i think what was nice was that there was a freneticness to it the f- the first verse was obviously so sort of general and all this whatever but there was something that felt really personal and like lived in about an uncomfortable silence our shouts down the hallway I thought love was like this. We were going the wrong way. Now I can't figure out what half of our fights were about. Who said what to who really doesn't matter. Uncomfortable silence. There's shouts down the hallway. I thought love was like this. We were going the wrong way. Now I can't figure out what half of our fights were about. Who said what to who really doesn't matter. That, I remember when we were sort of that, it all was just like, yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to say. Yeah. No, you know, we don't need to figure it out. Like, here it is. I also really love in the vocal production, what we wound up doing was like, you're singing the lead, mm-hmm. but I doubled you in very speed. Yeah. So there's this weird, like, little alien Nate sitting over your vote. Yeah, vocal. it just kind of fills it out on the sides. It's like nice and it's 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 like a warm hug. <laughs> but also just a little bit unsettling. It's a little, yeah, it's a little yeah. weird. And yeah, and then we get to this second chorus, which I think that if we had just kept the second chorus as it was the song would feel so dead yeah by then but adding the call and response now i know what i need is an empty head oh it's bittersweet up and smoke let me breathe burn a box of the shit you gave me We were just sort of joking around about it yeah. at first. We were literally, I think it started with us going like, all the shit you gave, you yeah. know? But having this gang, like it's it's other, it's other, such an intimate song. And then all of a sudden having this gang vocal coming mm-hmm. in, it felt like this like, uh, it took the chorus to this new place, I felt, you know? Do you remember these pieces or is it all just like no it, I, yeah. I remember that very specifically because that that in my brain was the like the beginning of the bug that was like put gang vocals and everything i think <laughs> like that, it, that became that felt that was such a successful choice like it just felt so cool like it turned out so well uh this call and response gang vocal it had such pop punk energy i feel like that lit a fire where we're, we're just like well we got to put gang vocals in it i mean we're we're you know gang vocals are very common part of production we were we were doing them but this made it like this way we were doing it with like a vera speed layer like having it there's a very particular gang vocal sound we achieved in this production that i think we were always trying to match since then well and that's the thing too is that like especially in this song it really felt like we were combining so much like there was this pop punk mm-hmm. influence to what we were doing there was this hype machine era like minimalist production that we yeah. were doing and it also, in a lot of ways, by running this call and response as a counterpoint, felt like it was honest to some of our theater background, too. Yeah, definitely. And there was just a sloppiness of the whole damn thing that just mm-hmm. like felt like after like years of like trying so hard to like get everything in place that like, you know, and that's the thing is after April, we barely touched the song. Yeah. I really think that like, you know, like, you know, other than like a tweak or two here um, and we added... Um, as we've been doing in almost all the songs on this record, um, we added, uh, our friend David, mm-hmm. uh, 
he he says this line right here. Moving on isn't growth. It's amnesia. That was probably the last thing we added to the song. Yeah. And about the only thing we added. <laughs> yeah. And and then literally mixed and mastered. You, you mixed and mastered it just because all you, you really needed to do is like, we, we like the mix. Sounds yeah. good. Throw a master. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even just listening to it, it's just like, it really crawls under my skin. Because mm-hmm. I think that this was the, I mean, out of it was like, I am angry. Very clearly angry. But I think small things I forget really rise the line of what it means to be sad and angry at the same time. Mm-hmm. And for them to coexist. Because we've written sad songs. And we've written angry songs. You know, CTFO is a bit snarky. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've written that. But like, there is something about this song that is so biting and so frustrated while also being sad and yeah. and, and very genuinely like empathetic almost. Yeah, or like, it's, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. Yeah. There yeah. we go. There's one thing I want to point out. I don't, you can definitely hear it. There's in one of the guitar takes the, uh, after like while I was recording it, I think I said I said like like that or like I like that or something. There's like a, a little vocal thing that kind of got stuck in the guitar track, but I realized that I really liked it. So like in the guitar sample, right before one of the chops or right after one of the chops, there's just a little like I can hear me going like like that, and it's very rhythmic. Like it feel it's really cool and like like you said, it adds to the kind of sloppy. It was one of those like random happy accident mistakes that got left in the production which there was a similar sort of thing in casper in oh the, yeah like in the beginnings and stuff too like having yeah i'm a huge fan of that i mean oh fan yeah of just like like random little vocal ticks that like get lost in a production like it's i'm I'm very fast and loose when it comes to like errant things getting into a an, into a recorded track because like i feel like most of the time it's cool yeah like most of the time it adds character well especially because like at first listen, you don't even know what you're what you're hearing. Yeah. You know, it, like it could be anything. It could be a sample. It could be like whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the thing too, is like this is a record where we are hiding actual lines that people say mm-hmm. that you do have to pay attention to to properly hear, you know? So well, I think on that we should probably move on to last good day. I wish I knew that was our last good day. Last Good Day was the last song chronologically that we wrote for the project. I think after Last Good Day, we sort of realized, oh, okay, we've got seven songs and we scrapped the things that have it didn't make the didn't make the grade, you know. But to set the scene, we had gone to Big Bear uh, with our friends Kieran Max. They had just started going out. We had not met our partners yet, mm-hmm. um, so it was it was we were. Uh, we we were we were third and fourth wheel to a to a budding relationship, right? But um, we did you know because last time we'd been at Big Bear, we had done a lot of stuff that wound up being on different plans. We did want to like take the woodsy experience. Um, I remember we did have a tough time just getting our asses to sit down and write. Yeah, we we brought all this gear, <laughs> we brought like speakers and keyboards. Like we we were really ready to like have it be a little writing camp. And we like by the, when we got there, we're just like, I just want to hang out and play Quiplash. Yeah. But then we're like, we have to do like we we came all this way. Yeah. You you and I were like like we yeah we can't just like not touch this at all. Yeah, we got to do um, something. So so interestingly enough, I actually have. Uh, an hour long voice memo. Oh, that's fun. Um, because I believe it only took us an hour. Yeah. So I think how it kind of 
went down was like I'd asked if you had any sort of like beats lying around. Yeah. Which you which you had? Yeah. I just had I had this thing that I had made that I was playing around. I was like, I want to make like a kind of Lido-esque sample of a pitched up vocal. So I recorded myself singing a song that I had written and then sampled it and chopped it up and made this like little loop. And I was like, well, that's really cool. Like that feels that feels like a Sleeping Lion song. Like You just had the chop though. Yeah, I think I might have just had the chop. So you were playing the piano, like you recorded in these piano chords. Yeah, I guess I not. Yeah, I'm remembering. I just had the chop, and I didn't have anything around it. So I was like, I this could be something, but it's it's a cool vocal chop, but it wasn't a beat yet. Yeah, that's true. So my memory of the session is that we're listening to the loop, listening to the loop, like sort of preparing to write over it together, and then I had I had this hook, which was over it, which is. I wish I knew that was our last good day. And in that line, it you know, came about out of nowhere as any yeah. other line ever. But in that line, I was like, actually, you know what would be really cool is if you and I just took that concept and each wrote our own verses, but we wrote them like separately. Yeah. Uh, so that I'm not trying to write for, like, write about your experience, and you're not trying to write about you know write down mine or like vice versa, um, which that I think was like semi inspired by. There's like a George Watsky record where the last song he has like a bunch of rappers on it mm-hmm. who um, it's a, it, like it's literally an exquisite corpse, which is like where they write off of the last line that somebody else did, but they don't get to see what they did prior to it. Yeah, so just sort of like. You know, the, this idea of like interacting with this. I mean, it's a cipher essentially. Yeah. Um, but that was very interesting to me. But also it was coming around this realization that I, you know, I had had during the pandemic, which was that when we were both in the room together, I wasn't giving you enough space to be the incredible writer that you are. Yeah. And it was in sort of hearing what you were doing solo in, and in, you know, obviously CTFO and all this, like whatever, where I was just like, I need to get out of my own, I need to get out of Noah's way, I need to get out of my way. And and honestly, the only way that I knew how to do that in the cabin was you write a verse, I'll write a verse. Yeah, which is great because I love, I love a little songwriting challenge. Like that's my favorite way to write is like, I've got a little title and I've got a concept. Like this is what the song is about. It's a clear concept. Write a verse about it. That's like one of my favorite ways to write. Like it's just like a little puzzle and I get to like write it out and and it was... It was, it was, I was still coming into my own as a writer. I mean, I still am to, to a large degree, but like I, I was a lot more insecure about my ability to just sit down and write a verse on a given day. So I, I felt like a kind of pressure to like do it well. What I love is that at like 39 minutes in, you know, one of us says like, all right, you ready to share? Because mm-hmm. we we're both done. <laughs> yeah. And you, like I shared and you shared. And it was in sharing them that we realized that we had, you know, similar but different ways of writing. Mm-hmm. And of course that our, like th- these two stories needed to be, you know, fit lyrically how they were going to fit. There was enough space in the track to let us write run-ons or write however mm-hmm. we wanted to. But what was really interesting was, and I, I heard this in the voice memo, I'll, actually I'll play it. I'm going to play the voice memo right now first here. Well, maybe it's two. Maybe the first one is like, like, like we, we, like we each get two stanzas. Yeah. But they each end with, each stanza ends with Alaska Day. Okay. That's, that's, 
But the first go round is maybe like some weird distorted like vocal thing. Yeah. So if it's so it's, it's like you know, uh, I'm by the river before I uh, went away. I saw you crying. You asked me to stay. Whatever you know. Um, if food in your apartment has started to rain, I wish I knew it was a lost goodbye. You know. And then yeah. we do another stanza. I'm cool with that, but I feel like then it locks the entire thing into A rhymes. Right. A A rhymes. But I'm actually let me think. It's like vaguely where my head's at with it. And like our verses can be different too. Like yeah. it could be like a like Bonnie Bear, Francis and the Lights thing. That, we, I, we, we could, it yeah. could go in totally different. I, I, I think that could be really cool. But basically va- vaguely the structure that I'm playing with is like uh hit it. Then I sink out of the house. Drive out to your side of town And watch you talk about murder on the couch I wish I knew I wish I knew Like a filter yeah. thing dun, dun, and, dun, and, and then the A rhyme comes in Probably it's a little boring, but like Having having the first round be like a different set of rhymes Yeah, that's kind of where I'm playing out right? This is what I got so far Yeah I so I had to go Try like hell to make that time feel slower. Da 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 da. The plane got delayed. I wish I knew. Okay. Wish I knew. So that some jinx you had your head on my shoulder on the blankets on the couch when we were getting a little closer. Eating food on the apartment as it started to rain. Wish I knew that was the last good day. I like that run on on the second go. Yeah, that's fun. Alright, so I think he's the verse, ready? Yeah. Had a couple hours till I had to go. So I tried like hell to make that time feel so crying on the floor, saying, babe, there's nothing more I can do. I wish I knew. Yeah. I wish I knew so. Had some jinx, you had your hair on my shoulder, under covers on the couch, keeping warm as the room got colder. Eating food in your apartment as it started to rain. I wish I knew it was our last good day. Nice. Yeah, that's all. Late at night, I sneak out of the house. Take a drive out to your side of town. Just watching the talk about murder on the couch. I wish I knew For a second we repressed all the pain Talked it all out till we had nothing to say You kissed my cheek as you asked me to stay I wish I knew that was our last good day That's cool There's, there's, there's a better way to sing the dark cover around the couch is fucked up Yeah, that's actually what, uh, one of the things that you what, what kind of hit me about yours on the I wish I knew Maybe like like I, I like what you did where it's like on the couch. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Yeah. So the wish I knew is an X rhyme. Yeah, that's the idea. Was it? But it's, but you got an A going through. So I wish I had to go. The first one you have a you have a certain A an A A A X. Yeah. yeah. Alright, I think I, I just edited it up a little bit yeah. with, with your inspiration. Um, so it goes like. A couple hours till I had to leave So I tried like hell to make that time pass slowly Crying by the river, I was sure there's nothing more I could need Wish I knew, 
I was shining so We had some drinks, you had your head on my shoulders Undercover on the couch, keeping warm as the room got colder Your food in your apartment as it started to rain Wish I knew that was the last good day Cool. What do you think about this for the second half? Hit me. Uh, for a second, we pretended that we'd actually change. Talked it out until we had nothing to say. You kissed my cheek as you asked me to stay. I wish I knew that was our last good day. It was in your verse that you had the I wish I knew, I wish I knew dividing up the verses. Mm. And I loved that. So I said, okay, give me a second. I rewrote, like I, I revised my verse to let that in there. And then we started talking about what that does um, for, like what, what that does in the, for the rhyme scheme. So then I started to adjust my rhyme scheme and then you start to adjust your rhyme mm-hmm. scheme. And then like, I was like, hey, I like that line back. So it feels like you're cutting off that line a little bit, like maybe extend that line out. And that's how you got like the suburban murder with you on the couch. Yeah. You know? um, and and so it was like we were able to then take these things and influence each other. Yeah. Um. So like, you know, you get you gave this song structure with that. Like, I wish I knew being in the center of it, you know, because uh, otherwise yours would have had the I wish I knew in the center. Mine wouldn't. Right. You know? And then it would just sort of feel, it would just feel disjointed a little bit. Yeah. Or like not unified. So uh, it was just very cool to kind of hear how we were sort of like, and that's the thing, at the end of an hour, we had it. Yeah. We literally tracked the vocals and what's there is the demo Yeah, but that, that was it. We just laid it down. We then had like two things sort of that we were like figuring out at the same mm-hmm. time. The first was that we didn't entirely know how to start the song because I mean the, the 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 track itself was really cool but it did need to have an intro mm-hmm. and that intro was long and it didn't feel sort of justified on its own the other side of it was that we did write this song years ago called moments mm-hmm. that we loved it was just that the verses didn't really work that well we loved that chorus so mm-hmm. I'm actually going to play the original chorus of moments uh, with the strings uh, in it as well, right here. We'll only have moments when we're done. Only have moments and hope they're enough. We only have moments, I don't want to fuck them up by worrying where this is going. Cause baby, we only have. Now, one, that's the incredible Evangelia. Um, and that's uh, a guy named Miles playing a, a lira. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a bass as well, right? An upright bass. It wasn't like we were we were like, oh, I like this song moments. Like, what are we going to do with it? And, oh, we have last good day. I remember, like, one of the things that I think 
is like my, my job in Sleeping Lion. Mm. I'm like the archivist. I am almost constantly, like once every couple of weeks, going through our SoundCloud, like all the way down to the beginning mm -hmm. and seeing, is anything that we've abandoned like worth resuscitating or, you know, whatever. I remember it was, I remember it so clearly that we'd, we'd been working, we'd been just listening to um, Last Good Day, which we had kind of scrapped or just kind of didn't know what to do because it was also very short. Yeah, it was, it was like short. one and a half minutes long um, when it was just you and I in the intro. And I remember playing moments in my head, just the chorus of moments in my head. And then like my little brain, like a knob on a radio dial went into last good day. <laughs> and it literally like, it happened like that. It was just that I had been listening to all this music. So I was thinking about our songs and my brain like accidentally like- Changed like, the channel. Changed the channel. Yeah. So I went to you, I was like, can we pitch this up like to the in the same key? And it wound up, and that's what what it is. It gives it this sort of Amelie, mm -hmm. like nostalgia. Again, all this sort of nostalgia. Um, it sort of seeps it into this thing. But also having moments. We only have moments when we're done. Mm -hmm. Kind of philosophically felt very like poignant for what this song is about, which is uh, you know, the last moments. Yeah, it just it just makes it such a more interesting piece of music. Like it just really takes it from thing we had lying around on our hard drive to like really cool part of the record that like closes out the like main part of the record itself it's it's experimental but i think it also like because it the change is so jarring i loved showing people the demo and and like mm -hmm. their reaction to the change was always yeah so... it always gets a rise out of people when they hear it for the first time they're like wait what what am i listening to what just happened like, people always laugh a little bit yeah it's, it's like it's very it's a visceral reaction to like being it's like having the rug pulled out from under you like you're listening to one kind of song and you're like wait where am i and it's such a different texture it goes from being like strings and piano to being like vocal chop and synthesizer. And you're like, whoa, like what's going on? But it's also, again, like very evocative of like what we've been sort of breadcrumbing through the record, which is like, you know, like in small things, oh, you want an acoustic guitar? We're going to start stuttering it and throwing in a gang vocal out of nowhere, like mm -hmm. out of it. Like, oh, you want to just a, a plain song? No, it's going to have all this like crazy shit going on as well. Hurt nobody. You're all of a sudden halfway through the song walking into you know, walking, walking into, into a, a bar, room, you yeah. know, walking to a bar, which by the way, we're not mentioning the singles like Casper, CTFO and Hurt Nobody um, because we have episodes dedicated to that. So if you guys want to hear that, listen to that. But I, I love that transition. I think we always wanted to have a third verse mm -hmm. done by a friend of ours because it is such like a prescient prompt. Mm -hmm. It's such like a, you know, visceral kind of prompt. We were originally going to maybe do it with our friend Charlie. Um, hey, a remix is always always possible, you know, yeah. but we got very close through the pandemic and in our life to our friend Mason, editor of the podcast. You guys might have heard his, uh, he, he goes by Souvenir, so you maybe heard his interview on Talking Lion. And, you know, we asked Mason to do a, a, a verse that he actually wound up like also producing to sound like a Souvenir song a little mm -hmm. bit in that moment. So here's Mason talking about what he thought about while writing his verse. I was really excited and uh, frankly honored to be asked to contribute to this song. Um, I loved it when I heard it. I loved the production and all the writing. Um, I've been a big fan of Nate and Noah as writers and producers for a long time and you know, on top of being just good friends with them. So it was really fun to be asked to do this. Um, I loved the whole idea of the song of, of revisiting those like great memorable 
moments that directly precede disaster in a sense and wondering like if you would have done anything differently if you had known and uh so i wrote a verse about a relationship that ended eight or nine years ago probably ended much later than it should have so it was um you know, it was hard to get a firm grasp on one solid kind of consistent memory. Um, and I ended up combining kind of little flashes, tiny fragments of the past at a time when I was starting to see the end coming, but was still fighting for it and experiencing love and happiness kind of in little sparks. And uh, it struck me how like mundane those images can be both like the previous verses had embraced that concept of how like powerful and poignant something so ordinary can be when you put it in the context of like a doomed love story. So I wanted to, I wanted to do justice to those preceding verses and uh, hopefully I did. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> but I love his verse. And what's so interesting about his verse is that like when we were writing our verses, we were just trying to figure out what the song was. Mm -hmm. Whereas like for him... The song had already existed, at least in his eyes, for two, for over two years. So, you know, he was able to kind of dive into what is this about? What am I trying to do? What are these, you know, all the imagery in the song? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, he's got that I wish I knew, I wish I knew that you had established prior to. So I love his contribution. Do you, do you remember what you felt when you first heard it? Yeah, I remember because I remember you kind of burst into my room and you're like, we have a Mason verse. And I'm like, whoa. And we like listened to it. And I, it was it was a I had a visceral reaction to it because it's such he, he wrote so rhythmically. Like when we all we all like all of the verses are like kind of interesting and rhythmic, but like you hear them for the first time. And it just it just hit my brain in such a nice way. Like I I guess I was I was also kind of tired and a little bit out of it. But there was just something kind of almost surreal about hearing it because we had the song for so long uh, and I'm such a fan of Mason's writing. It was so, there was something that was squaring in my brain of like, oh, this is a souvenir feature on a Sleeping Lion song. And it's just, I mean, the imagery, Mason has like a slightly more surrealist slant to his writing than we do. So there was just something really cool about hearing this prompt with just like a little bit more like, Fantasy. Fantasy in it. Or like Bon Iver, or, yeah. sort of like ambiguity. Yeah, just a little bit more ambiguity in it, I think, really brought it to this place that, that just, just made me so happy. Well, and that's the thing is like, you know, and you said it, we are such like genuine fans of his music. Mm -hmm. That to hear like, you know, and you guys have a project together. Yeah. Like, shout out to Hunga Sushi Night. Yeah. But, you know, it's, and, and we, it's not like we haven't done things together with him. We did the, the Contra record and all that stuff. But there is something about it almost felt like he covered us, but but better. Like yeah. it was like hearing somebody that like you love covering a song that you love. But in this case, it's like our our really good friend who's amazing, and this song that we you know had kind of not thought about for two years. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it really was like it's like the bow. Like that that was the other thing that I felt like listening to it is like oh this is the song. Like yeah, the song's done. Like the song is done. Like this was the it was like the final puzzle piece have been slotted into place. And it's like, oh no, okay, this is Last Good Day. Like, it exists. Well, and we did have a hard time transitioning out of Last Good Day into um, into the outro of Moments. Yeah. Like, and we, for a while, we're trying to figure out, like, 
uh, okay, how are we going to do this? Are we going to like do a metric modulation where suddenly there's like a delay that goes into a triplet? That, yeah, like, we overthought it. We overthought it. Um, you know, but like the answer had been with us from the start, which right. was changing the channel again. Yeah. And then I think I I'd suggested like almost game day, like like on like a day before or day or two before it was time for it to go. I suggested we even cut off him like the like last good cut off. Yeah. So that like it really is as unexpected. Because what's expected is, uh, you know, I wish I knew there was our last good day, you know, yeah. which I think we had for a second. But it's fair. I mean, it's it's such a nice metaphor for the song because it's like the whole thesis is like you never you don't you, you don't, don't know when it's going to you don't know when it's going to end. So it's yeah. like, bam, there it is. It's it's over sooner than you thought it would be. Um, and it's interesting too. like what I love about your verse and and mine and Mason's is that like. It's not these big things. It is so mundane. Mm -hmm. Like for you, it's like literally like watching a documentary and having a conversation. For me, it was like, you know, ordering takeout um, and and like, you know, not getting frozen by this draft in that in the apartment. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and for Mason, it was just like staying up late talking to like this person's family members. Mm -hmm. And it was just like it is that like we we imagine because of like movies or whatever like the last day with somebody is like this like intense you know you knew it right then and there that that's like whatever but it really is that like especially when you sort of get to the end of a relationship it doesn't feel like you're at the end of the relationship it kind of feels like especially when it could go either way you know you don't know that oh that's it Mm -hmm. or like you know there's going to be a you know a, a, a pandemic or you know, suddenly something's going to happen, you know? So I don't know. That song's still always kind of, I mean, honestly, small things and last good day fuck with me more than any song on the record. Yeah. You know, Save for wine drunk, but no, yeah, I agree. They, they're, they really stick with you. They're, they're just interesting concepts, just interesting. What's I, I was, they crystallize that mo that they time, crystallize so. that feeling. It's they, they they put into words like feelings that, that you feel so viscerally, but um, are hard to articulate, which is what a good song, which, good. which is what a good song should do. Because, yeah, when I when I when I sing out of it or listen out of it, I'm not like transported to like that level of anger. But when, mm. I, when I listen to like Last Good Day or like small things, I, mean, I am transported to like what it that sort of nostalgia, like what it what it meant to be in that situation. You know? Yeah. Um, is there any sort of production thing that you want to shout out there? I'm 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 just curious if anyone is able to like identify the song that the vocal sample comes from. I'm 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 not going to I'm not going to tell you what it is, but uh it's to me when I hear it it's very clear. It's very clear what the song is, but um and it makes sense in the context. It makes sense it very very much makes sense in the context. It has a very a deep emotional resonance for for me, which is why I chose to sample that song, but it's not immediately obvious. Uh, so if you're if you're familiar with our catalog writ large uh, across a wide span of of uh, mediums and artists, you you might be familiar with it. Or you could let the mystery be. Or let the mystery as be, say. as they say. <laughs> On that note, that concludes part one of our two part deep dive into our new record, Most Improved. Next week's chat episode will be dedicated solely to our outro song, Wine Drunk. We'll be talking about the history of the song, which started back in 2016. We'll interview the incredible arranger, Spencer Camacho, who spearheaded the acapella arrangement, go in-depth into the meaning behind the lyrics, 
and share how we brought 40 plus of our friends, family, and collaborators to lend their voices to this song over the course of upwards of 100 vocal tracks. So tune in next week to that episode. And before we end this episode, we would like to thank a couple of the people who lent their time and talents to making Most Improved the record it is. We'd like to thank Meg Meyer for her incredible cover art, Alex Venegas and Alex Costa for co-writing Out of It, Ariza and Alex Costa for co-producing Out of It, and Zachary Pennington, a.k.a. Zip Tie, for mixing and mastering Out of It. For Small Things I Forget, I'd like to thank my best friend David Leone for lending his voice to the ending quote. And for Moments slash Last Good Day, we'd like to thank Evangelia for co-writing Moments with us, Miles J for playing the lira and double bass on Moments, and Mason Maggio, a.k.a. Souvenir, for lending his verse to Last Good Day as well as co-producing it. We are beyond grateful for everybody who came together to make this record happen. And we are so grateful to you, listener, for listening to the record and listening to this podcast and being such an incredibly supportive part of this whole journey for us. So thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next week. Baby, the city hit me like a sword of death.